Hello and welcome once again to our ALS Association Greater Philadelphia Chapter Podcast. I am your host, Tony Heil, the Director of Communications and Public Policy here at the Greater Philadelphia Chapter. Uh, we're up to in the 30s in terms of episodes, not in terms of temperature. Um, and you've listened to podcasts with state legislators like Brian Cutler, uh, our national president and CEO, Barbara Newhouse, many patients with ALS like Matt Bellina and Karen Delaney-Scheideloff, and of course our patient services staff uh, who we've had discuss their roles here um, providing patient care and making sure that people with ALS are getting good quality services from our chapter. That's the reason you're donating to us. So one person that we've been wanting to have on for a while, and by we I'm using the Royals since I'm the only one doing this, uh, is Wendy Barnes. And uh, we had a video that you can look on our YouTube at youtube.com slash ALS Philadelphia uh, with our friend Therese Decker, who's living with ALS, and she was talking about all the services that she's received and all the help she's had since she was diagnosed with ALS, living in the Lehigh Valley. And, and comment after comment was, and then Wendy Barnes gave me this, and I called Wendy, and then I got this. And, and that's what you want to hear, that people need things, and people like Wendy are there to help. So welcome, Wendy, to our ALS Association podcast. I hope that you can live up to all of the acclaim from the past minute of me talking about well, you. That will be very hard, I'm sure. So, Wendy, what's your role here at the ALS Association? I am one of the social workers here at the chapter. Um, and Which means I, you have letters after your name. I do have letters after my name. Um, I am a licensed social worker, and um, I mainly service um, the Lehigh Valley area. I guess I would say I'm the, the social worker in the Lehigh Valley area, and then run several programs um, through in the chapter. So... What, what does the Lehigh Valley program consist of? Because we have some people with ALS who live in Scranton and go to Philadelphia. Some people live in Montgomery County and go to Lehigh Valley. How many have people come from a while away to go to that clinic? Yeah, we'll, we'll get a few from New Jersey um, oh, that will come up right. to the Lehigh Valley. We actually have a couple people from New York. Mm-hmm. who are were unhappy with services in, in their local area or it was difficult with transportation to get to. And they're a great chapter. It's just mm-hmm. because of where they are and everything. Yep. Yeah, it's more of a transportation issue. Mm-hmm. So they will, um, they actually, the, the families have um, family members local to the Lehigh Valley. So they come and stay overnight and maybe stay a couple days and, and hit the clinic in Lehigh Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's like we know our friend Marilyn, who's living with ALS, I know she could go to either Hershey or there, and it's just her family's closer to Lehigh Valley. Yeah, and sometimes patients start off at a chapter, um, and then um, when transportation again gets more difficult, they come to the one that's closer. So we've had families transfer from Hershey or Penn and come to the Lehigh Valley. Um, Initially, they were fine traveling. Um, Now it's getting a little harder, so they'll they'll come to Lehigh Valley because it's a little bit closer. Now, before I go into all you do, that reminds me of something or put something in my head. There are a lot of people with ALS, not just here, but across the country, who move to be closer to family. That's probably the most important reason to move when your health deteriorates, is to be closer to people. Do you guys in patient services department often work with other chapters to get the information? Be like, oh, how can we best serve so-and-so? Or, you know, what were they doing? Or not to give sensitive information, but to make sure that that transition works well for them if they're moving from say, New York to Pennsylvania. Yep, yep. absolutely. I, I have a patient in uh, Bethlehem right now who moved from Texas 
Um, I got a call a couple weeks ago from a family that was going to be relocating to Bethlehem. So she wanted to know, you know, could she bring her uh, piece of loaner equipment from another state to Pennsylvania? You know, so sometimes we have to talk to the other chapters and just clarify what can come with them and what can't and what services they were getting there and try and duplicate them here mm -hmm. um, if we can. And I think that's one of the nice things about how the way the ALS Association is structured in that on a patient care level, you're able to work with other chapters, make sure they get consistent care. And even on my level, I can talk to people who are communicators or doing things in advocacy to make sure that we can kind of all succeed. It's not like, well, we're, we want to be the best. We do, but we want everyone to do well for the same cause. Right, right. And we want them to get, you know, to be connected to the chapter um, no matter where they live. So, you know, we will find, you know, the best chapter for them um, when, when, you know, if they move or if they're staying or um, we have some patients who are coming to, you know, one of our local clinics but actually live out of our service area. So mm -hmm. we, we make sure that they're, get, they're connected with the chapter that they technically um, are serviced from. Um, and then, but then we provide, you know, I will still see them at, at the ALS clinic. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that's not just because we have things and they don't or vice versa. It's because they can get things more quickly and more efficiently. Right, right. So, but we're, they get connected to you to get a lot of services because you, you kind of run the show on a couple of different things. So you have a lot of power. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of nice when I do meet a family at the Lehigh Valley Clinic um, that... I am kind of one-stop shopping for some of the families because if they do need a ramp or they need home care um, or they just need a, a community resource within the Lehigh Valley, they can get that all through me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so because I, I am the one that runs those programs here through the chapter. So it's nice for them because they can come to me for a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. So those are the two programs you work on. They're the Howard I. Abrams in-home care program and then you do ramping. Correct. We have an accessibility program. Mm -hmm. And so, and you do that throughout our entire region, correct? Correct. Connecting people that that's, I mean, Wendy is often not in our office because she's with patients. She's elsewhere at the Lehigh Valley Clinic. Um, but I see you at your computer, hunched over your little laptop there, and there's a lot of paperwork that goes into managing the in-home care program, especially, right? Right. Yeah. We I um, receive all the bills and invoices for all the in-home care and ramping and stair glides that we do. So one day a week, I actually come down to the chapter office and I get my calculator out and I pay all the bills and um, it's you know it it they are they're two big programs to manage um, and I always said I never thought I'd have to use a calculator being a social worker but um, I you know I, the the programs you know the way we manage them um, you know they're phenomenal programs for our families and it's you know one one day out of my week and um, it's it's. They're, you know, they're great programs, and um, it's a little bit different um, part of my job, but I love it. Well, you you didn't go into social work just to avoid math, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to do math every day, so. Uh, so what does the in-home care program entail, and what, what do you do with it? Because you don't just manage a spreadsheet. You're actually managing a significant part of our chapter. Right, right. So when I get an application from a family, which usually stems from a clinic visit, um, or they read about it on our website. Um, I contact the family, interve interview them, um, you know, kind of see what types of services they're looking for. Do they need help with uh, bathing, dressing, um, you know, those types of personal care issues. And then 
um, once we establish um, how often they would like a home health aide to come in, I contact the local home care agency that's closest to them and um, refer them. The agency typically sets up a home visit, meets with the family, um, sets up the hours, and uh, once they're all set up and receiving services, um, the agencies are really great about calling me and letting me know if a family needs anything additional. Mm. And I always say that the home health aides that are in the home are our eyes and ears because we wouldn't know, you know, we're not in the family's homes um, on a regular basis. We do maybe do periodic home visits, but those aides let us know, you know, if there's anything that the family needs, more hours, a piece of equipment, um, something's going wrong, the caregiver, you know, um, could use um, some respite hours. So all of those, um, you know, referrals get come back to me, and then I kind of distribute them to whatever team, um, whatever clinic team they're working on, you're working with. Now that's a really important thing that I, I imagine most people wouldn't really think about. I didn't even really think about it much. Uh, the Your role in the Howard I. Abrams program is really a pipeline back and forth. You know, you get the connections from clinic or from their neurologists elsewhere to connect them to a home care provider and make sure they get the right care. It goes through you because you talk to them and make sure that, oh, Brenda told me that they have these issues and this is something that I want to make sure they're getting the right kind of care, I guess, right? Correct, right. So you don't just, like, call someone up and say, hey, Bayata or hey, whomever, um, Brenda needs help. She has ALS and she needs some care. You're like, here's here's their issues. Yeah, and we're make sure I, I actually up. give the agency a list of all the tasks that the patient um, said that they need done. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and I like, you know, I will let the agency know right off the bat if if the patient has a communication issue, if they're using an iPad. Um, I will let them know if the major weaknesses in the arms or the legs whether they're using a wheelchair, whether they're using a Hoyer lift, so that the agency is very well educated before they go out and meet the family. And that way they can uh, look at their list of home health aides and make the best match for that person. That's something that is really important to the way the program runs. Not that we just give you up to 10 hours of care, up to 12 hours of care, right? Correct. Because we used to be 10 and we moved up because of people's donations. Um, and that we don't just say, well, we're going to call them and say, you need 12 hours. You're getting very good care because you're connected with the clinic. And if, if I went out and needed some home care for myself for whatever reason, if I, or my wife, and I just called up an agency, I wouldn't necessarily tell them the same things that an ALS expert, such as yourself and our clinic team would be able to do. Right. So you're... So it's a service beyond just the hours. Yeah, I think we give them, um, you know, like I said, we're trying to give that agency kind of the ins and outs and so that they can best connect a home health aide to make it a successful um, visit. Um, because if the aide doesn't connect with the patient and the patient doesn't connect with the aide, um, we want it to be a positive experience. And if there's, um, you know, if there's any kind of um, personality issue or conflict, you know, we want to nip that in the bud mm-hmm. right away. So the, mo- the more information I can give the agency about how the household is set up or, um, like I said, physically what they need, um, if it's a 250-pound patient versus a 85-pound patient, 
they're going to look for a caregiver, you know, a, a larger caregiver for the larger patient. Um, you know, we don't want to send in a, you know, 90-pound home health aide for a, a larger one of our patients. So, you know, all those types of little, um, um, you know, those questions that I ask when I'm interviewing the family and saying, how can we best help you? Um, I take all that into consideration, pass that along to the agency, and they do their best to find that, that good connection. Because if it ends up being a bad connection between the patient and the aide, the family may say, I don't want this service. And we know that that family really needs the service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and not only if they, one, if they don't use a service at all, that wouldn't be good. And also, if they go through a lot of caregivers because they did it themselves, that's a detriment to them because they're they might be wasting time or they might be getting bad care. And it's not necessarily those caregivers' faults because they're not as connected as they like. Um, and so um, I know from working at a home care thing before this, I was I working with some people who provide home care, another thing before AL Association, which made me like this, um, that they want to provide good care, but also that there's a loss for people when they go through a lot of different home care providers because those people went to look for their jobs or they just couldn't connect. And we know state funding is often an issue right, in, right. in every state. Um, so when we're able to give, provide them some consistency, that's a big deal. Yeah. Because I mean, even allowing um, a stranger into the house is a big deal for these families. Yeah. And it would lot, be a strange thing yeah, for me. And, and I understand it, the program. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have to do uh, some education and a lot of, give a lot of encouragement, not only for the patient, but for the caregiver, you know, they don't want a stranger coming in, you know, they've already got therapy coming in. They might already have, you know, family and friends more than they, you know, ever thought they would need to have people relying on. And, um, sometimes it does take a lot of convincing by myself and our staff to encourage the family to get this Karen. And, um, I always encourage families to at least try it. If they hate it and it doesn't work, you know, we can always stop the service. But, you know, I would say 99% of the time it's a good connection. The family truly, truly appreciates the help. Um, it's a, it's another, it's a person coming in that's just there for the patient and caregiver. You know, they're, they connect. Um, it's somebody for them to talk to. Maybe their, maybe their spouse is working during the day and this person's coming in for two hours to, um, you know, provide that personal care. And, and you know what, it's, it's a two hour, uh, window of bonding for that patient that, and, you know, when, that where they might not have had anybody coming in, um, for eight or nine hours that day. Yeah. I think there's a lot of aspects of our care that people can identify with, even if they don't have ALS. Yep. Cause most people connected with us don't have ALS. Um, they're a caregiver themselves. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, or there's someone who has a family member or friend with ALS and, but I can identify with just needing someone sometimes because I, if I'm home alone for a while or you know, my wife is away, I don't like being by myself a lot too much, right. especially if it's often, you right. know, and right. that would be the issue there. That's an important aspect right. of yeah, it. Yeah, with caregivers that are working, it's it's tough on the caregiver worrying, you mm -hmm. know, that this person's home alone, and it's tough on the patient being alone. And speaking of caregivers working, the caregiver themselves, the spouse or parent or or child who is the caregiver, they go through a lot of stress, and you help them out through other ways, and uh, specifically respite care, right? Correct, right. And, right. and what does that entail? Is that part of the same program, um, the same we, kind of work we, you do? Yeah, it's um, our respite program mm -hmm. is a uh, shorter program. Our, our Abrams in-home care program um, can 
there's no real specific end date for that unless they would um, the patient would qualify for a county funded program or they became eligible for VA services or hospice. Um, but our respite program provides respite for the caregiver so that the caregiver can go out uh, maybe in the evening to go out for dinner. Or I just had somebody call me um, whose husband is a big deer hunter. And so she's trying to set up some overnights um, within the next month or two so that he can go out and do his deer hunting and she will have somebody to stay with him so he can kind of go away for the weekend. Um, so that's like the perfect way to use this respite program. We want the caregiver to be able to go out and do something fun for themselves. We want the patient to have the security of somebody being there for um, either offering, it can be just for personal care or it can be just for companionship, um, somebody just to be there. So um, we provide up to 24 hours of respite care per year and it can be used um, anytime throughout, you know, throughout the year and you know, overnight shifts or maybe just a two-hour shift every Wednesday so the caregiver can go to the gym and work mm -hmm. out for two hours. And like you said, it's very personalized, and a lot of what's going on here is personalized, which I think people often don't think about when it comes to medicine, the way you think about on, and not medicine, but healthcare. You see on TV, people talk about doctors, and, and doctors are great, but they think that, oh, if I'm a patient, I'm a number, or I'm going to be forgotten about but I'm writing down some notes, and really, it's personalized from this, the get-go. They, you, you go to the clinic, and they're talking about Susan to you, and that she has ALS, and here's her issues. And then you go to the home care person; it's personalized back, and then the caregivers personalized in terms of caregivers. So it's not just, well, you have ALS, so here's what you get. Right, right. And that's that puts a lot of time on you, but I'm sure it ends up making it even more worthwhile to you because you're connecting with people on a human level. Right. Absolutely. Because the families, you know, they'll call me and say, Wendy, you're a lifesaver. You know, these two like hours Therese. a day, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and that, you know, that, of course, is what I'm, you know, I love to hear because we're actually, um, we're making a difference mm -hmm. and we're making it life a little bit easier. And we can't do that with medication and we can't do that with, you know, a lot of different things. But, um, you know, just a two hour visit a day, you know, th these families are so grateful for. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I'm, so because it's personalized um, and you're providing all these very actually personal services, not just in terms of the clinic or in terms of hours of care, but things that are really kind of intimate, like having someone in your home, um, you have to build up a, a good layer of trust from the start, I assume, because they need to be able to trust your advice and let someone in. They need to be able to trust you when you say maybe you should look into our respite program and more maybe you should take this because you're asking sometimes big things not just right. expensive things but big decisions to make yeah um so is that something you guys talk about at the clinic level because i know you guys um, work together as a team yeah absolutely i mean we're, we're always in communication via phone or email you know the clinic team with me and with them um and um you know really trying to um get the family specifically what they need because the families do rely on us. They rely on us to make the recommendations when we feel it's time. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I, you know, because I don't go to the pen clinic, I don't know all those patients or their family members. So, you know, for Gail to, you know, let me know that this family is in, you know, this caregiver is in desperate need of respite care or this patient and caregiver really need that um, Abrams uh, two hour aid visit. Um, you know, the, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't 
wouldn't have that name and and all the information about that family without the clinic team letting me know. Mm-hmm. And so you're able to provide that up and forth, back and forth, and you're able to make sure that those families aren't as leery of you. Because I'm sure when they come the first time, and you've interacted with a lot of people their first time coming to clinic and whatnot, um, they're cautious of who they're talking to and what's going on. They're like, why would I ever? Nope. Right. Most people, when they come to talk to a social worker, I probably had never talked to a social worker before. Right, right. And so, you, what's those first conversations like for you? Because you you're often there the, uh, early on in the process. Right, right. And and really, what you know, what I try and stress to the families is that any question concern that they have can be re- redirected to me, and I will let them know. Mm-hmm what their next step is, you know, don't try and guess yourself. Don't, you know, you know, if I can, you know, streamline something for them, um, provide a phone number so they don't have to look it up. That's what I'm here for. Um, and you know, when I meet them at clinic on that first day, they're given my card. Um, you know, they now know my face. Um, I will see them every three months at clinic and, you know, I I just keep encouraging them. Call me anytime, call me anytime. Um, because when you get to the clinic, there's PTs and OTs and um, the nurses, and there's this all this whole big team. But what I kind of always tell them is I can help you coordinate. I can kind of be your coordinator, your case manager, um, the one person that can then direct you to who you need to talk to next mm-hmm. so that they just always have maybe one person that they can start with, and then I can um, connect them to you know the person that can help them with something specific. And that's something that's hard to put a price tag on or understand the value of until you do it is there's so many people you're going to ask for help or that so many different things you need and having someone to just make that process a little bit easier can make a big difference. Right. Right. And if I can save them five phone calls, you know, I mean that that's ideal for them because they're, they're overwhelmed with every aspect of their life, you know, their kids, their, their jobs, their everything. So if I can make things a little bit easier and save them, you mm-hmm. know, a little bit of time doing something and connect them where they need to go, um, it, it's it's worth it. You know, that's that's what I'm here for. And there's a lot of other people out there making life harder. So if there's one person that can yep, make it absolutely. a little bit easier. So we're going to talk about one thing that can make uh, everyone's life a little bit, maybe a little bit easier and a little bit more fun. And that's coming up soon, the Walk to Defeat ALS. Wendy is a big part of it up in the Lehigh Valley. And uh, that walk is coming up in October, and we have our Greater Philadelphia Walk to Defeat ALS coming up on November 1st. And this podcast is actually airing before our our next walk, which is in Ocean City, New Jersey, this coming Saturday uh, in uh, Ocean City. And that all of those can be found at www.gpcwalktodefeatals.org. That's GPC for Greater Philadelphia Chapter. Uh, Wendy, you're a big part of the walk. You connect people to the walk. Um, you looking forward to it this October? Absolutely. I look forward to it every year. We've only ever had one rainy walk, um, in all the years I've been doing this. And I've been, I was there at the inception of the walk when we started it with Mm -hmm. Holly Bennett and her family. Um, so we, it tends to be a gorgeous, beautiful day, um, in October. Mm -hmm. And you're, and even that walk, because we had a podcast with Holly, uh, that aired a little bit ago. That was still fun. In a way. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're looking I mean, at me like, no, yeah. that was horrible. <laughs> well, that, that the rain wasn't it good, was umbrellas. It was, um, we gathered inside the, the college that we were at, the community college that we were at. And, but you know what? The people, um, the, the family members wanted to walk. They were there to walk and they walked 
um, during the monsoon. So, you know, you got to give them credit for that. Mm -hmm. So you've been working with Holly on the walk for over a decade now. Correct. Yeah. And there's been a lot of other people that you've been working with on the walk there for many years, like Donna Ketcher, uh, who I know is one of the top teams and a few others. What's it like having those same people come in year in and year out as organizers, sometimes as patients, that you can kind of see that hopefully you're building a really yeah. nice relationship? We have so many families that, um, even if their loved one has passed away, continue to do the walk because mm -hmm. it's a positive experience for them. Um, I know with some of our new families, it can be a little scary, um, but once they get there and once they come for the first time, um, you know, it they, they stay for years. I mean, they're doing the walk. Um, some of our families have been doing the walk every year, mm -hmm. um, whether their loved one is, is living or not. Um, so it just, it, it's, it's a, it's a great way to, um, um, you know, memorialize somebody or walk to benefit them that day. And it's just, it's a positive experience. It's, it's, um, to see that many people in one spot, you know, supporting ALS is just phenomenal. Yeah, so you see a lot of people there that you see at your support groups, mm -hmm. and even people that you you probably don't see at your support group that you communicate with less frequently but use the in-home care program. So you like seeing all those right. patients and families and reconnecting with them. Yeah, it's funny. At our support group, the last few years, there's been a competition um, about who can raise the most money mm -hmm. um, with their walk team. And, Is it and, you? Um, <laughs> and it, it's phenomenal that they they that the walk has connected them. Um, in not only um, it, they they get connected at the group, but I think the walk connects them even further because it's something f for fun that they can talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, the stuff can get a little bit serious at group, and it's not always uh, you know great things to talk about. But um, the fact that they enjoy each other's company so much, they you know they they make it a competition. Um, it's just it's it, it's just a great day for them. It's really something that we really talk about. Um, January 1st, you know, the, the, the upcoming year, as soon as um, the walk ends in October, we're talking about next year already. So, so that's why you shouldn't just donate to the walk though. You should, uh, which is on Saturday, October 17th at Coca-Cola park, but you should also come. It's because you can really have an experience you can't get. Otherwise only happens in Leah Valley once a year, right? Though there's six other walks. You can go to all six of them. Um, and, but that's a big benefit. You want people to go for that reason alone. Right. Also to give as much money as possible. Right. Absolutely. And you can bring your dogs to the walk, which is a huge draw for a lot of our families. Yeah, there's some good dogs <laughs> in the walk. That, that is, those are really the only animal people bring so far. Um, my son would love it if we brought giraffes or buggies. There you go. Um, Stuffed ones, I think, will be fine. Well, he likes the real ones, but let me say so. Uh, so what do you? what's your role at the walk? You just show up. Um, Say, hey, I, I'm Wendy's on, here. yep, I'm on the walk committee. Um, what, um, and you know, we've done the walks so long now that it kind of runs itself. There's not a whole lot of preparation that we do during the year, um, the year, um, because it, it just works. We've, we've got it down to, you know, we've got everything worked. We know where we're getting all the supplies from. And it helps um, that the iron pigs are really helpful and good people to yep, work with. And absolutely. You it's know, like, Hey, we're going to do a walk here. And like, they cool. make it easy. They uh -huh. make it easy for us. So, um, usually the part on the committee role that I take is I gather all the volunteers and, um, give them their jobs for the day. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, the last couple of years, my daughter's softball team has, uh, you know, they've volunteered at the walk, and that's been so fun, mm -hmm. you know, having the young kids there, and they really, really enjoyed it. 
and you know and some of them have to do volunteer work for school but others are just doing it for fun and so um, so that's my main role at the at, in preparing for the walk is getting the volunteers but then the day of the walk I'm there at 7 a.m. setting up tables uh, usually with gloves on because <laughs> mm -hmm. it's a little chilly in the morning in October um, yeah, last time I was there it was already it was still dark when we got there yep yep I was like, I hope it lightens up because yeah, this will be kind of. It does, and it always ends up being a beautiful day. So you know, the the three four hours that we're there are are pretty busy, um, and then I just run around, and you know what, it, I it's I get to see families I haven't seen for a full year mm -hmm. since the last walk, um, and just touch base with everybody. Um, last year we actually had um, two patients who are in facilities on a ventilator. Mm -hmm. um, we were able to transport them to the walk, and that was phenomenal because uh, the one gentleman had not been had not left his facility um, for that whole year, mm -hmm. and he got to be out with his family for the walk. Um, and he could have, if he had to get out for one thing all year, it could have been for a lot of things. So to be yeah, there, I mean, it, it's a process. You know, we had to have a nurse come along. Mm -hmm. We we had our van. Uh, we had to have a respiratory therapist, so there was actually two staff members that had to come along, and I have to give them credit. They gave up their morning, mm -hmm. you know, to, to come with them, and um, it, it was just, it was awesome. The families were so happy. The patient was so happy to get out of that facility um, mm -hmm. and, and be there and walk with us. Um, so, you know, we put a little extra effort into that, but we got them there. Do you see that with the caregivers that you help connect with through the uh, in-home care program, that a number of them get involved? Because it becomes personal for them. I mean, I've seen that from a lot of people where their their caregiver, whether it's through us or something else, ends up getting involved with fundraising at the walk. And yeah, last year we had, um, and actually past years we've had home care agencies walking with their um, their you know the patients that I had referred to them. Mm -hmm. So they actually come out and enjoy the walk and um, wear their company T-shirts and. Um, so I think it makes the patient feel so supported mm -hmm. um, that they are giving up their Saturday morning to come out and join their family and walk with that team. Um, and that's phenomenal. They just, they, you know, the families, they need that support. Um, and the agencies love it. You know, the home care agencies, they just think that's the greatest thing because it's, they, they have the one-on-one -on -one, um, connection and those home health aides, you know, are walking right with their patient. And it's, it's really a neat thing. You must like that knowing that you connected someone with some other caregiver. You probably had never met that caregiver before. I'm sure 99 times out of 100, you've never met them before, before they actually interact. And then they develop this bond and they come there and that the agency themselves is at the walk. I mean, that must be really good to you that they're, they're not just a business partner. Right, right, right. They really do. I mean, how can you not connect with one of our families? I just... You know, as an agency, how can you not mm -hmm. connect and want to do things? And, um, you know, that's just, you know, and those are the agencies that, you know, I, I love to use and who I give referrals to because they, they do go above and beyond. Um, and, you know, I can't ask for any more than that. Yeah. So when you're, we look at connecting someone, let's say Steve, I'm using a lot of first names. Yeah. Uh, with home care, you're not just looking at, well, what's the most cost efficient? You're looking at what's going to provide them the best care. And the walk to defeat ALS ends up helping with that because you know that such and such company is taking this seriously. Right. Not just in fundraising, but like genuinely taking it seriously. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So, and, and you've met some other cool sponsors and other friends at the walk that you might not have otherwise, too, I assume? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you get, there's so many connections and 
Um, last year, I, I there was personal people there at the walk that I was friends with that I never knew had a connection to ALS. Mm -hmm. So you'll you know I I tend to bring my own camera and I kind of stand down in the stands and take pictures and which helps you me because I'm taking pictures and yeah, you take you, yeah you often I take love just ones. taking the pictures and um. And then I can take wave. credit for it when you take really good pictures, <laughs> and I put yeah, them up. Nobody will know. Nobody. The photographer's not mentioned. It just it's just the pictures, and everyone's <laughs> like, "Tony, those are great pictures." Like, "Yep, they're great." Um, so that you know, so last year I was surprised there was a couple people. Um, actually, my son's basketball coach was at the walk. I had no idea he had a connection to mm. ALS. Um, so, have you seen that in the last year that there's a lot more people, both coming to us for services and aware of ALS since the Ice Bucket Challenge happened? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Our numbers, um, you know, our numbers were so, we had so many more people at the walk last year. Mm -hmm. And I think the Ice Bucket certainly helped that, um, certainly helped bring that to attention. And we've had more people coming to the walk last year, uh, but also we have had more patients connect with our chapter. And we've looked at our numbers differently now. And a significant increase in people coming to the chapter. Uh, do you think that is in large part due to the increased awareness of the ALS Association? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think I've, I think home care agencies, doctors' offices, um, you know, everybody was involved in that in uh, that phenomenon. You know, mm -hmm. the ice bucket challenge, and so there was all kinds of connections made. Um, and I think you know we're getting called more often because it's it's. You know, it's a household name now. You mm -hmm. know, uh, it really is. ALS is um, mentioned all the time now, and people know what it is. And um, you know, I'm just so grateful that that we're getting the calls and trying to get these families connected with us. So for me and for a few others, it can be kind of mixed feelings because I never want to see our numbers go up. Right. You know, I don't like seeing them go down for because it's not for a good reason. But um, you know, I hate seeing more people getting diagnosed with ALS, but on the other hand, it's, I'm glad to talk to people like Wendy, that they're not just out in the wilderness. So right. a lot We're of people you talk to yeah. are out in the wilderness, yeah. literally. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, so is, for you, is it more positive that more people are coming in because you know that they're getting better quality care than being Oh, absolutely. Own? Yeah. Because I don't, we don't want anybody to be lost out there, mm -hmm. you know, in the system because we do, we'll, we'll get a new patient and they haven't had any services and they've been diagnosed for, for a while. Um, and you know, now, you know, they, they always say, we never knew this was out there. We mm -hmm. never knew this was out there. So, you know, we, you know, we have to continue to educate the communities and the medical um, community, especially that, that there is an organization out there to help these patients. Um, so. And you're getting people, not just from the Lehigh Valley and not just from the, the greater Philadelphia ring counties, but you're getting people from way out in Tioga and Clinton County where people even from there can't find Tioga and Clinton County on the map. Right, right. Um, and that that's not easy for you. you got to find a caregiver out there. You've got to find people to provide ramping. Um, so yeah. it's a lot more work, I assume, but there's also the, mi the mixed feelings there, mixed blessings of, well, they never would have gotten in touch with us before this, and right, now they're getting right. something. And we've never not been able to find an agent, you know, a home care agency to service a family. Mm -hmm. never, there's one out there for everybody. So it might just take a couple more phone calls, um, and that's okay. You know, mm -hmm. that's what we're here for. I mean, that's we're here to connect them. And then, you know what, then that agency that I've never worked with before, anytime else they get an ALS patient, guess who they're going to call? They're going to call us. Mm -hmm. um, and it could be somehow they got connected with them randomly, and, and now they actually have a resource to offer those families. Mm -hmm. um, so, Do you find your job 
doing that easier now than it was when you started? Because you've been doing this now for, um, we talked about 11 years. Yeah, 27, I, yeah, I started running a group in, in 2000. So I've been running my group now for 15 years. So I've seen a lot of families come through. And Google was pretty new then. I mean, there are some people that were still using AOL then, or some people still using it now. Uh, but so you were, and it was, they weren't as easy to get online. No one had a smartphone, or at least Correct. no one I knew. And now people can find things via an app. They can take a picture of what they have on right. their phone. So is it easier now connecting people to services than it was back then? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, Technology, you know, definitely makes things easier. Um, you know, what happened in the group is the same. You know, our communication and support group is the same, you know, back in 2000 as it is mm -hmm. today. You know, we're still talking about the same issues. We're still talking about the same stresses. Um, you know, getting them connected to services might be a little bit easier. Um, but, you know, a lot of things are still the same. That's a really good thing. That, that the, Even though so many things change, so many things say the same in terms of, the kind of work you're doing, even if right. it's more or done differently. And, you know, once it get down to it, social work and caregiving, it, it doesn't change in terms of right. being on a one-to-one -one level, relationship right. level. Yep, yep. Being yeah. being there for those families and being a connection and, you know, that that's not going to change. Um, now, have your feelings changed about it? Have they just grown more? Because you've become more and more connected to ALS and and the families and the cause, right? Yeah, I mean, to, to, to be, you know, be involved with this group for 15 years, I mean, it's just, it's, you know. I haven't done I, anything for 15 years. Yeah, too. I mean, it's just amazing, you know, when I think back, and I can still, I, I can still remember where patients sat, what chairs they sat in, mm -hmm. you know, at the support group, you know, because you just, how can you not remember those close connections? Mm -hmm. So, um and they still, I, I will still get emails, I will still get calls, I will still see them at the walks 15 years later. Um, and so they're, they're always going to be connected to us. And that's really neat to be connected to people from over a decade ago that, you know, now I keep connected because of Facebook, but they're, they're people that were right. connecting with you far beyond when Facebook was a thing. Yep. Yep. And uh, I, you know, obviously I was making more phone calls back in 2000. You know, now I'm sending more emails, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, but the connection's still there. And you still have to make a lot of phone calls, because there's not a lot yeah. of people using email in Tioga County. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't send, the, right. Uh, and you know what? And there are several, a lot of our families that don't, our, especially our older patients who don't have computers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, th that's still the same then. You know, you still contact them the same way as you did in the past, so... Well, we appreciate what all the caregivers are doing, and one way you can thank caregivers and uh, be a part of showing appreciation for people like Wendy and also people like home care, people who are providing home care is at our annual luncheon, which is this November, uh, November 13th, and we'll be honoring caregivers. Uh, we're doing some special things for that, um, mentioning the kind of care that people provide. Are you looking forward to that, Wendy? Absolutely. Uh, do you think it's a neat theme this year? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, they're... Um, we need to take care of our caregivers as much as our patients. And so to honor them is a phenomenal thing. I mean, it's just, um, they will be so appreciative. And, and plus the people here on staff from, from you to Brenda, to, um, all of our nurses. And we have a, over half of our staff is patient care service. Right. People think right. that we're just here raising money, but most of our attention is going to patient care. 
you like when you hear those stories of people who are appreciative, whether they're the patient or... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it... Makes it easier. Yep. Yeah, and it's nice to be reminded that we're doing good things. Mm-hmm. You know, and we know we are. Deep down inside, we know we're doing good things. But when a family calls you and tells you in person or sends you a nice thank you note, I mean, that, that really does make a difference. So when you heard Therese saying all things over and over again about how... Oh, yeah. I would, you yeah. looked a little uncomfortable because you're over on the side. <laughs> you're like... Because I, I just, you know, she kept mentioning my name over and over again. I'm like, oh, this is too funny. Yeah, she's just, you know, and, and she is, she's been with us for a long time. And so I have, I've been involved with her for many, many years. Uh, she lives alone. And, uh, well, she's not alone. She might live by herself, but right, because right, of things, right. you but and she has, Yeah, but she, she, man, you know, utilizes her resources, um, definitely. And I know we've been talking for a while, but I just remember, don't want to forget talking about some other people who are in her life and a lot of others. There's Dr. Mackin um, mm-hmm. at the Lehigh Valley Clinic who really just as involved, obviously he's the neurologist, right, but he right. comes to the walk, he comes to a lot of other events. So just as much as you're connected, everyone else at right. the Lehigh Valley Clinic is extremely connected as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a, a, a big walk team, you know, with all of our staff, mm-hmm. um, we're going to be hosting a memorial service, um, in November, uh, for those, um, patients that were in the Lehigh Valley and our whole... And they can uh, email you about that? Yes. Um, And our whole um, um, clinic team is helping me um, organize that. Mm. You know, so not only are they, you know, just showing up because that's their job at work, but they, when I set up, we were going to do a memorial service, they all wanted to help out. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, you know, that it's so helpful to have them there and supportive. And when they're at the walk, our patients love to see them at the walk. Yeah. Um, when we did the ice bucket challenge at the Lehigh Valley Hospital, all of our clinic team was there. And, um, you know, for our patients to see that, how involved they are, um, it just means the world to them. And this past April, we did a an advocacy visit at Lehigh Valley Health Network at the clinic. And you're like, I hope some people will come. Dr. Mackin's going to be there. And then it was like the whole team was there. Yeah. Everyone was there in yeah. solidarity. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that was really, and on pretty short notice altogether, that everyone yeah. was willing to Everybody show up. Everybody was able to move their schedules around a little bit to be there and support our three patients that were speaking that day. Mm-hmm. And you can find those videos of the patients that spoke there on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ALS Philadelphia. Um, and I do think it's always neat hearing from Dr. Mack and I can t- see the tone of, hear the tone of his voice in his emails because he seems so quiet and humbling, like, People say something nice and they're like, oh, thanks so much. And yeah, you're a great guy. You yeah. don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like. He pe- needs to be reminded. Yeah, <laughs> we all do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you're writing your own resume and you're like, well, I wasn't really that. Just put it in. Right. Just say how right. good you are. No one wants to say how great they are around here sometimes. So, uh, well, we really appreciate it. Um, you can see Wendy at the support group if you're in the Lehigh Valley um, system at the clinic there. Um, you can see, interact with her when you're doing a lot of these other programs at the a Howard I. Abrams in home care program, the the respite program, and and the accessibility program for ramping and other issues to keep people in home uh, where they're comfortable. And you can see her this October at the Lehigh Valley Walk to Defeat ALS at Coca-Cola Park. To learn more about that, go to www.lehighvalleywalktodefeatals.org. You can find all of our walks and any other ways to get involved at alsphiladelphia.org. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Tumblr, 
You're, you're always on our Tumblr, right? Oh, always. <laughs> yeah, which was updated <laughs> months ago. Uh, <laughs> that's all at ALS Philadelphia. So thanks, Wendy, for sharing your thoughts on your decade, 15 years work at the yeah, ALS Association. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I've been wanting you on for a while, and here you are. I know. It worked out well. All right, so uh, keep listening, and uh, we appreciate all of your support.